everyone. We're so glad you're here to chat with us. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Lauren. We're excited to share conversations, stories, and an in-depth perspective of United Way's commitment to the Valley. Today, we are joined by our own Ben Moser, President and CEO of United Way of the Chattahoochee Valley, and Betsy Covington, the President and CEO of the Community Foundation of the Chattahoochee Valley. We are a year into the coronavirus pandemic and want to take this time to look back on our response. Thanks for being here, Ben and Betsy. Gosh, glad to be invited. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having us today. So we like to start every podcast off um, by getting our guests to tell us a little bit about themselves. So Betsy, you want to start? Sure. I'm somebody who grew up in Columbus and left at age 18 after high school, sort of vowing never to return. Not because I didn't like Columbus, but I was just ready to see the world. Um, I ended up in Nashville for college, did everything right to stay in Nashville the rest of my life, had my dream job working for a public relations firm, married a guy from there, had a great house and he took a job with health system and we came back to Columbus um, 31 years ago and it was the best move we ever made. I love this place. I don't know whether it had changed or I had matured. I suspect maybe a bit of both, but I love its size principally because I think it gives individuals such a chance to make a difference. And now I find myself in a job where I get to see people doing that every day and it's phenomenal. So here's two plans that don't turn out like you thought they would. Well, we are so happy that Columbus called you back home, Betsy. Um, ben, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Sure, thanks, Lindsay. I'm from North Carolina originally. I grew up in Winston-Salem, North Carolina which is a town really similar to Columbus in many ways. It's a small Southern city that has shifted focus from being a, a primarily tobacco town early on, much like this was a mill town, um, to doing some new things and evolving with the global economy. So uh, I felt like I was coming home in many ways when, when I moved here. Um, I've been in the United Way system for eight and a half years, and this is my third United Way. I started out with the United Way in Winston-Salem and then went to the United Way in Asheville. And I was lucky to land here, my first CEO role. Uh, started out my career in politics, working for a congressman in Washington, DC, right out of UNC Chapel Hill. I went to law school, I did that for three years. And then I went to law school up in New York City, practiced law there for seven years. And up there in my law career, I managed large corporate litigation projects and government litigation projects. I worked on matters for many Fortune 500 brand name companies, um, as well as a really large litigation for the city of New York, which was hired by the state of New York to uh, litigate this massive uh, debacle of a project of a courthouse that was falling apart. Um, at the time, it was uh, referred to by the head of the city uh, the law department as the most complex corporate litigation in u.s history so that was an interesting experience uh, but after seven years up there um, i was ready to move back to the south i miss barbecue and fried chicken and my family and and all the things that come with living uh in a in a southern town and so i made my way back and was fortunate enough to to catch on with the united way in winston-salem and 
the rest has been history. I've loved every minute of it. Um, and I'm just really glad to be here with my wife, Stephanie, my son, Jackson, who's eight years old, playing baseball in the Peach League at Lake Bottom Park. And we live in Midtown, which is really awesome, getting to be in the center of this vibrant community with all the opportunity that, that brings. Well, we are so glad you came back down south and um, gave up that career in wall to lead our United Way. Um, we are going to jump into our discussion um, and either one of you can um, start on this one, but tell us uh, what the Coronavirus Response Fund is and how it began. So I'll, I'll jump in here first and just say that, you know, Betsy called me and this was a couple days after COVID had really hit and she before she was even speaking, asking if we would like to partner on the coronavirus response fund, I, I immediately jumped in and said, yes, I couldn't, I couldn't contain myself. Um, it was one of those calls I'll never forget because of the situation, because of the importance, and really because of my respect that I gained in a really short period of time for Betsy as a leader, as a change agent, as a progressive, pragmatic intellectual that really drives things forward in our community. Um, it was just such an honor to be asked and an honor for our organization to be asked to be part of a fund like that. And it's just really expanded in importance over the past year. Um, so for our community, for our United Way to be partnered with a community foundation like ours, with a leader like Betsy, it, it's, been a, it's been a game changer. Uh, and really a day doesn't go by that I don't give some measure of thanks for the partnership and all that we've been able to accomplish so far together. Wow, can we just be done there? Because that was so great. <laughs> uh, you know, I think um, it, it, I'll, I'll tell you about the Coronavirus Response Fund, but but thank you, Ben. That's really kind of you. I think anytime you see new leaders come into a community, you kind of cross your fingers that the search committee did a super job to find somebody who knits themselves easily and quickly into the fabric of a community. and. You know, Ben has done that since the minute he hit he hit ground. We have been so fortunate in the last few years with the caliber of leadership that we're attracting to this community, and that just gets me so excited. I cannot tell you. Um, like I said in the beginning, I love this place, and I want to see it um, continue to grow and strengthen. And I think you do that when people understand working together without having to be taught that. So. You know, when Ben tells you that I call him, called him and he said, yes, I will tell you, it was one of the easiest sales jobs I've had in quite some time. So um, that was kind of great, but it just seemed to me so important that our two organizations work together to offer philanthropic minded folks in our community a chance to support their neighbors. We didn't know what in the world might be ahead for our community and and frankly i think if you told me we'd still be doing this a year out and a year plus out um that would have been hard to have thought about right then but um in the world that we live in where you are trying to help good people who love each other find a way to express that love through donations that really make a difference this sort of fund made a lot of sense and and maybe it's helpful if i if I tell you about the Community Foundation for two seconds, because this isn't a sale job on our organization, but 
but we exist to enable and promote philanthropy that makes the difference throughout this Chattahoochee Valley. And primarily we do that through long-term invested and endowed funds. When I came to the Community Foundation 20 years ago, um, I think our assets were right at like $7 million and right now they're 240 million. And the fact that it's grown so quickly is this immense testament to the generosity of this community. So we work through lots of different funds. We have over 330 different funds that do just about anything you can think of in this community as long as it can be considered legally charitable. And so for us, we knew that this coronavirus storm was growing. We have, we at the staff level at the Community Foundation have a good grasp of the social service type needs and human needs of this community. But we know that's what United Way lives in every day. And so it made a lot of sense to sort of grab that expertise and say, how do we make sure that we are making people, helping people make a difference in the most effective way possible? So the fund um, has received a lot of donations, which is, um, which is great. We have no idea whether that's enough and that's the challenge, but, but we're okay. We're here to do this for as long as it takes to make sure that basic needs are met in our community. And so the fund collects money, it lives at the community foundation, but the panel that decides where the money goes is a joint effort between United Way and the community foundation with our staff and our board. We take grants um, whenever they come, grant applications whenever they come in via a website, which is cfcv.com slash coronavirus. And we're making grants to organizations that are helping individuals. So the fund doesn't make grants to individuals, but it makes grants to individuals throughout this Chattahoochee Valley. And we didn't know what we were going to see. And I'll tell you what we have seen. We have made grants so far totaling just over $1.3 million. And 52% of those grants have been related to healthcare in some way, whether they were um, testing to help like Mercy Med do some mobile testing throughout the community, whether they're for critical care ramp ups, we made grants to both St. Francis and to Piedmont um, Midtown to help them expand their critical care capacity. Um, we helped Safe, uh, Safe House um, build a quarantine center. We've paid for PPE at lots of different organizations to help them serve their clients better. Um, telehealth services been, cleaning supplies, all of that related to keeping staff at these organizations safe and the people they serve safe. 19% of the grants have been for food related needs and it's not a surprise to us that those sort of basic needs were out there, but they've really increased during this pandemic. And so it's been wonderful to have that access available to us. 15% of the grants have been for financial help to individuals, which includes rental assistance. 7% um, related to housing and shelter, 4% to childcare and youth services. And we don't know if that's gonna shift now or not as we begin to stabilize and even, can I say it, see the light at the end of the tunnel of this pandemic but like i say we're going to be here as long as it takes and there were weeks when ben and i probably talked to each other more than we did to either of our spouses but um this is important work and when you see something hit 
your city and your area and your country and your world like this did, how can we not use the expertise that we have to help people help each other? Well, Chattahoochee Valley is definitely um, very thankful for y'all's leadership on this. Um, and at the beginning of all of this, not only did we come together to create this fund, but the two of you also um, started the coronavirus community call. Tell us what we've learned from these calls. I've learned to listen to Ben. <laughs> <laughs> because... And, it, and I talked more last time than I meant to, Ben, so I'm going to hush in just a second. But I'll tell you, my we realized as we started this fund, how are we going to get information? Because if people are going into isolation, how are they going to talk to each other? So we had this idea for a daily call, uh, just a check-in call for people and organizations that were serving neighbors in our community for government, for healthcare people to just sort of share what they were seeing and what we needed to know and put their hands and ask questions. So my great vision extended about as far as the end of my arm on this one. I was thinking, okay, we invite a group of people and we give them the number and they all call in. Bingo's, well, why don't we just open this up to the public? I'm thinking, no, no, you don't know what you're going to get. It's been great. And um, for me, a real reminder and demonstration of the way people do come together positively because they want to help each other. So with that, I'll hush and let Ben tell some of the stories, but I'm so thankful that I let him talk me into doing it the way we did. Yeah, I think we just, in many ways, just reinforce that this is an amazing community that comes together really well and works together really well and cares about each other. Um, and wants the best for, for everyone in our community. Um, we also, I think, learned that, you know, being a positive voice in the midst of a crisis is incredibly important. And we tried to bring that every day. We did the call every day for the first three months or so, um, scaled back to three times a week, then, you know, once a week. And, um, and we're ending the call coming up in our next call on the year anniversary. Um, but it was just, it was a way for people to have a voice, um, whereas otherwise they, they may not have a way to coordinate uh, where there may not have been that platform otherwise. And we saw some just amazing success stories of folks stepping up on the call with a need and then somebody else coming in to meet that need over and over and over that happened um, and it's continued to happen up until the last call. You know, you, you have um, you have folks that have a piece of information or something that they need done at their organization or in their community and they put that out there and every time somebody steps up to meet to meet the need, meet them where they are. Um, so it, it's, it's really been incredible. We've had so many great guests on as well uh, and sta the standing agenda, the mayor's on every show or on every call. Uh, Dr. Lewis at the school system is on every call and gives an update on the school system. Melody Tremble at St. Francis has been doing the healthcare piece for us on the call and doing it really, really well. And, um, you know, Frank Shepard at Feeding the Valley is on the calls. Pat Frey with Home for Good and United Way. Uh, gives an update on our housing 
situation, situation with trying to end homelessness in our community and triage the issues that have been created by the pandemic on every call. So um, it, it's been remarkable. I've, I'm, you know, you're kind of kind of sad to see it go, but at the same time, we've moved into a long-term uh, situation here now, and we have to focus our attention on other things. And um, I don't think either of us ever thought it would go on for a year. Uh, so it's it's really it's really been a success story, uh, and it's helped raise awareness of the fund, which you know was the I think the primary purpose starting out was to make sure that um, the folks knew about the fund and knew where to get help, and that has certainly happened. But it's morphed into more than that, um, and so it'll be it'll be a little sad uh, next Wednesday when we sign off for the last time. Um, that too. <laughs> I'm not sure. But. I'm not sure I was called to a broadcasting career, but <laughs> but I will miss I will miss hearing those voices of people. And there's been something kind of nifty about it being a call and not a Zoom call. Um, you really have to concentrate on the voice. And I've heard people who were um, scared. I've heard people who were nervous about their organization and the help that they needed for people ask questions that really you could tell were coming from a place of real nervousness about what's next for our community. And then, like Ben said, there've been so many answers that were positive that were, you know, we've kind of got you. We, we're going to work together. We're going to figure this out. I mean, watching or listening <laughs> to public health kind of stretch into new roles. And and I think all of us have realized that we are more dependent on the Department of Public Health than we had ever realized. But they've been good on this call. And, and I want to give a giant shout out, as I do on every call, to Edith Giles at United Way, because she has been a soldier who has listened to the recording of every call and taken notes. And we've posted them on the Coronavirus Response Fund page again, cfcv.com slash coronavirus and on United Way's website. And so that information isn't just available for the people on the call, but for everybody out there. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging on Ben or me for doing this. I think anytime, I mean, I hope in life we kind of all go through thinking, if I'm ever in a position to be able to help and I have an idea or a skill that I can bring to the table, you know, hit the ball to me, Lord. And that's kind of what this has felt like. And you just, you just pick it up and do it. And when you find that you don't need to do it anymore, you put the ball down and say, let's, uh, let's focus on some other things. That's how I'm looking at this last call that, um, yeah, sure. I'll miss it, but it's been stressful. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it has. It has. Uh, and it's time to focus on other things. We only have so much time and so much energy and um, you just have to pick pick your spots and, and do what you can. And um, I'm proud of it, but um, it's time to move on. I hope it's a good example. And I, I don't want to do all too much on the call or frankly, even on the fund, because I think I think both are great examples of our organizations hopefully providing a way for people to respond when they need to but but that's what we're supposed to be doing and i hope it's what our organizations do every day and there are times that we do it individually there are times that we do it in partnership with with each other or with other groups here in our community and um 
I mean, I, I think you know, y'all on this call know that I'm, I'm chairing Columbus 2025 right now, which is our area's collaborative, really comprehensive long range plan to um, reduce poverty and increase prosperity and improve the quality of life here. United Way is a huge partner in that. The effort lives at the Chamber of Commerce, but I mean, it involves people from units of government all around here, education, business, nonprofits, um, regular people who came in to say, I just want to be a citizen and help. And that's the kind of stuff that gets me really excited about the future of our community. When, when our organizations can be tools for good and how we do that can change year to year or, or month to month. And sometimes like we're, we're talking about on the call day to day. So. I think it was such an achievement and I know you both are so humble, but I want to congratulate you on that partnership and collaboration uh, for someone that listened. I don't think I've missed a call. Um, it was, it was a comfort to hear all of these organizations working together and to come up with solutions and that you really, really cared for the community. So thank you both for that. Betsy, I want to touch on something real quick. Um, you said you would say at the beginning of every call to be kind, be good to yourself. Um, it was such a wonderful reminder. Oftentimes for me, it was emotional. First of all, thank you for that. Um, for being so genuine. Uh, secondly, what, what led to that? What made you such an advocate for mental health? I don't know. I don't know. I can, I don't think of it in terms of mental health. Well, well, thank you for saying that, Lauren, but I don't think of it as so much mental health. I come from a background where people were encouraged to love each other. And I, I have a belief that the way we express that love and the more genuine we can be with each other, the more we empower each other to be genuine back. And I was scared through this. I'm not gonna, I mean, this is, this has been a extremely challenging year for all of us. And I am so aware that there are people who are grieving the loss of people they love. They're people who are grieving the loss of a life they thought was pretty secure and suddenly it turned out not to be. So, you know, you go into this knowing that there, there are very real emotions coming onto that call. And I just sort of seized on this thing of saying, we gotta be good to each other and, and those we love and we're moving through this. And, and then the next part is something I really do believe that they, that we're having an opportunity to learn things that make us better people on the other side. And it's funny, I didn't intend for it to be a litany on every call. Mm -hmm. After I did it a couple of times, I told Ben, I said, I think them, they're tired of hearing me say the same thing and I changed it. And I got emails from people saying, oh, no, 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 don't change. You need to go back to what you were saying. So, right. Um, I don't know, I may embroider it on a pillow or something, but um, <laughs> be aware that I'm speaking to myself too, you know, because sometimes you um, build courage by showing courage, if that makes sense. And um, I want us to have learned things that make us better people and a better community. And to me, that looks like people who 
come together even better than they did before and and love each other even and especially the ones who are unlovely right then better than we do so I love that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Very powerful. Um, Betsy, I know this is obviously not the only fund that the Community Foundation hosts. So what um, what were you most surprised about? During coronavirus, you mean? Yes. Sorry, with our fund. Yeah, during coronavirus. Um, so with the fund, what were you most surprised about? How, gosh, so I don't I don't, I'm sorry if I'm pausing. I didn't have that many surprises. I had a lot of affirmations. I didn't know, I knew some of the people leading some of these service organizations in sort of passing ways. Some of them I knew pretty well, obviously, but to a person, they have impressed me with their dedication to the people that they're serving. And I don't know, that doesn't surprise me, but it has been marvelous to see. And they have taught me and, and my staff, and, and I'm gonna go on a limb and say even the United Way staff, um, that it's a privilege to help support the work that they're doing in our community. If our organizations are in a position to help um, you know, what we've been doing in this case has been taking in money and then they, those donors have trusted us to make hopefully wise decisions about how that money is being spent. And when I see what those people have been doing and how hard their staffs have been working during very stressful situations, um, those are the people I wanna be in the trenches with. So I'm real proud of that. Um, I, I, we gotta do something about long-term poverty, guys, because even people who thought they had safety nets found out they weren't as strong as maybe they thought, but the people who live without a safety net every day, I, I just, I mean, Lauren, you, you talk about mental health. I, I don't know how you go through something like that. Um, Ben's heard me say about a million times that I think, our, our community slipped a few rungs on Maslow's triangle. And if you don't know what Maslow's triangle is, Google it, but, but we kind of dropped down to that rung where you're, you're really worried about your safety and that roof over your head and that next meal and whether your kids are warm, you know, and that's my voice starts to catch when I talk about that. Um, I think we've seen things through this pandemic that a lot of us, are so incredibly fortunate that we don't see on a daily basis. You know, let's don't forget what that looks like. And let's don't forget that it's our job to help make that world better for people who don't have power to change their situation. So that's my speech. <laughs> That is very powerful. And yes, we are the same with your staff. We are very blessed to be able to do this work um, to help support those in need. Um, my next question is for Ben. Um, how would you say that the um, pandemic has affected United Way and our business going forward? So I, I see this as, you know, it's 
United Way is needed more than ever. Um, and we've been needed more than ever through this pandemic. And you know, I think it's it's really expanded our horizon of the type of impacts we we could and really should be having in the community. Uh, the pandemic has really shown a light on a lot of the inequities in our society. We knew they existed, but um, it's it's crystallized that there are those that are exponentially more affected by situations of crisis like we've been dealing with now for a year. And so I, I would say that we have a higher confidence at our organization than we did a year ago, that we are relevant and not just relevant, but um, needed here in the Chattahoochee Valley, uh, that we can create broader impact than, um, than we have. Uh, it's changed our culture in many ways. Um, it's forced some, some change internally that I think was, was needed. Um, and we've been able to make those changes very quickly because out of necessity, which is, as, as the saying says, the mother of invention uh, in many ways. And it's broadened our strategic thinking, our long-range vision. Um, it, there are lots of uh, lots of things that it's done, uh, but really the the cooperation, the the partnerships that have been created, are really going to be transformational over the next five to ten years, I believe. And so it has changed the way our organization thinks, the way we act, and the way we see ourselves certainly moving forward in the next five years. Uh, I could probably talk for a very long time, but I want to be respectful of our audience here uh, about all of those changes. Uh, but it's, it's, it's been amazing. Our staff has, has stepped up in ways uh, that they probably had never envisioned, certainly that I had never envisioned. And um, it, it's been, it's, it's been a privilege to be a part of it, a privilege to be partnered with the Community Foundation in this endeavor and the fund and the calls. And I know that we'll continue to partner on, on new and, and innovative uh, things to help our community moving forward. Well, we will, I guess, end this segment um, with what stories have happened during this time with the fund and with the call that really touched your heart the most um, from those that received funding? So for me, it, it's really the kids who were able to go to virtual school uh, in a safe, caring environment. And I think really about Boys and Girls Clubs and Girls Inc, Salvation Army. Um, I get the privilege of spending a fair amount of time with Rodney Close and he shares with me the stories of these families who just have unbelievable challenges. Uh, and to be able, for the fund to be able to provide funding for those safe virtual environments when school wasn't available for them, to provide meals through Feeding the Valley for kids and these gap periods where the schools can't serve the meals. I mean, those, those are really the impactful the most impactful stories to me are the kids who were able to go to the, the clubs and, and get meals um, when they wouldn't have had them otherwise. Um, you know, it, 
we're very fortunate to have the kind of leadership that we do within our nonprofit community. Rodney Close is an example, Arlene Charles at, at Kroll's Inc. Uh, the list goes on, Frank Shepard at, at Feeding the Valley. And to work hand in hand with those organizations uh, to meet the needs of the community and especially the needs of, of children and families that are experiencing poverty. Um, it's, it's amazing. Uh, you know, we, we have a, we have a great volunteer and donor named Wade Burford and, and he has a saying when talking about something that's super impactful, that it's the center cut, you know, and I, I think of that as, as kind of the work that we've engaged in over the, over the past year, it's really the center cut of what we're, what we're all striving for. Um, you know, no matter how much wealth or innovation or the industriousness of people in a community, um, if you're not taking care of children and vulnerable populations, your, your future is not, is not as bright. And by that measure, our community has an incredibly bright future because we come together to take care of kids and families and vulnerable populations. Um, and as another one of our, our great donors and board members, uh, the president and CEO of Synovas, Kevin Blair says, in the Chattahoochee Valley, we take care of our own. And that's never been more evident than in the past year. Well, that was a fabulous answer. I don't, I don't, I mean, it, you know, I think the children have really been moving for me too. And to think about what it must like, what it must feel like to feel that powerless and to need that much help. Um, I've been really moved by hearing the stories of these healthcare workers. And um, I think again, back to that Maslow's triangle idea. I mean, the health, people's health has seemed so fragile through this. And to hear the stories and, and I can think of a couple of times been on a call when I could tell Melody Trimble, bless her, who was also brand new to this community, was exhausted and afraid for her staff. And, you know, in those early days of the pandemic, we were still learning so much about this disease. And yet those people have kept coming back to work every day. Hopefully we take away a new appreciation for nurses and physicians but also the people who clean the rooms and the people who feed the staff at the hospital and sort of that basic level of care that um, I hope we don't take for granted like we have in the past. So, so I don't know, those two things, and, and I can't improve on Ben's answer. So, yes, <laughs> good. Well, thank you both for joining us today. It was a wonderful wrap up to hear our response, uh, your personal accounts of it. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm proud of Thanks. what we've done. Let's keep doing things even better. Right. So, here, here. Thanks. Yes. All right. Well, thanks, Ben and Betsy, for taking the time to chat with us. For more information about United Way, visit unitedwayofthecv.org. Thank you for listening today. We're so glad you're here to chat with us.